Welcome to the Georgetown Baptist Church Sermon Podcast, where we share sermons from our most recent worship services. To learn more about GBC, please visit us online at georgetownbaptist.org. Our scripture is Matthew 6, 5 through 13. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, For they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Lord knows what you need before you ask him. Then this is how you should pray. Would you please say the Lord's Prayer with me? Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. So in uh, 1992, MTV tried a new experiment with a show. They gathered a bunch of 20-somethings together, put a bunch of cameras on them, and had them live in one space together. And uh, what we now know as reality TV was basically born. And uh, this was the real world. And if you... um, Uh, are familiar with the real world at all. Um, Part of what they say at the start of the episode is uh, what happens when people stop being polite and start getting real. Well, um, they knew they had a big hit on their hands, MTV, um, you know, pretty, pretty quickly, but within the first couple of seasons, they also learned something else about reality, and that is uh, it's boring um, if you really show reality. So after the first couple of seasons, they didn't let them uh, work their jobs anymore. Like the first season, they all just would leave and go work their job and then come back and, and, be, and they'd, they'd film them like after work, which uh, must have been fantastic. But uh, the, so they, they didn't work other jobs anymore. They took out uh, all of the TVs in the house because there was one season where one guy, all he did all season long was just watch TV. Um, And they uh, put a lot more alcohol, turns out, um, just about everywhere that they could get. And uh, when you goose up reality like that, suddenly it's a lot more interesting for television. But when we think about reality TV, and and maybe you don't, and I really hate to burst your bubble on this, um, I hope when you hear and think about reality TV, you don't assume it's real, right? Because... 
people are people, and when you have these sort of reality shows and when somebody becomes a star of one, people are going to study to see what it takes to stand out and be the star. And like in all things in our culture, what it takes is being the loudest, most obnoxious, craziest one. And so they take it as a challenge, even though that's not who they are, this is who I am going to be in order for me to be uh, famous and important and special. And so reality TV has become this sort of, uh, you know, for me at least, this sort of kind of catch-all for anything that's presented as truthful but is really not, not at all. And now, obviously, this isn't the first time that media has done this. I mean, it was almost 60 years earlier that Orson Welles, with his radio drama War of the Worlds, had people thinking that actual Martians were actually invading the United States, which must have been terrifying at the time with nothing else to go off of, and the radio program ends, and you really do believe there are Martians going around destroying America. So the problem with reality TV is that not everybody gets in on the joke. Not everybody understands, and so other people think this is what it is. And this is how we're supposed to behave. And they don't know how to do it either. So you have these people pretending and sort of faking it. And then you have these other people watching them pretend and fake it. And they continue and perpetuate this sort of, oh, I've got to be somebody fake. I've got to do something fake. And what you lose is the beauty and the boredom and the weirdness and the amazing gift of reality. We are continuing our series uh, that we're calling The Work of the People. And what that means is we are starting off with the understanding that on our own, we were hopeless. But the good news of the gospel is that Jesus uh, came and lived and died and rose again. God's plan from the very beginning all the way sort of arced through Scripture is that God was never going to leave us separated. Despite our sin and despite all of the ways in which we selfishly turned away, God continued to love and continued to give and continued to reach out with the ultimate gift being His Son Jesus so that we could repent, so that we could believe, so that we could have eternal life. God did that. So what are we supposed to do, right? Like, what, how, how, how are we supposed to respond to that? And that's what this series is. This series is how do we respond to all the good that God has done? So the very first Sunday, we talked about that we are going to be people who unite under Christ. And what we mean by that is in our world where it is very easy to go, you believe this, this, and this, I believe this, this, and this, you're the enemy and I hate you. And that becomes sort of the dividing line of everything. What if church is supposed to be different? What if we're supposed to not just not talk about all the things we don't agree with and, and act like the very uh, sort of cold and sterile Thanksgiving uh, lunch at your family's house where you just agree not to talk about all the things everyone's going to fight about? What if it's not that? But what if instead, I know the stuff you believe and all the stuff you get right, because that's what I believe, and all the stuff you get wrong, stuff I don't agree with, I know all those things about you, and yet I still choose to connect with you. I still choose to learn about you. I still choose to draw closer to you because Jesus is more important than all of that stuff. 
because we put Jesus above all of those other things and we unite under Christ. Not just so that we'll get along and to, to go along, but because we truly believe we can learn from each other and we truly believe that we are more than the beliefs that we hold on to. God has made us so much more. So, we unite under Christ. Then the next week we talked about how do you judge if a church is being faithful? I mean, you can judge by, do you have a ton of people? Do you have a ton of money? Do you have the, the best and most dynamic sort of pastor possible? Do you, well, how do you judge these kinds of things? And what we landed on was, I believe that in some ways, um, it's going to be incredibly difficult for us to tell, because I don't think you can really judge faithfulness now. I think you've got to wait 30 years. And then honestly, I think you've got to wait 30 more. Because to truly know if what we're doing is more than just a fad, more than just something that happens to hit culturally with what we want right now, we have to see if the kind of faith we're living out transforms us so much that we tell people and they become transformed so deeply by Jesus that they can't help but tell people. We want to make disciples who make disciples. We want to make disciples who make disciples. Then last week, we talked about with the, our deacon ordination, and we talked about this idea of what Jesus invites us to do and how God invites us to serve, and not just serve any old way, because, uh, you know, I was the youngest of three, and uh, so on Saturdays when you had to go out and do yard work, it was my job to go pick up the sticks before uh, my brothers could actually do the lawnmower. And so I had to walk around and pick up the sticks. And I was offended by this job because I'm better than this. I decided as an eight-year-old, like, I, I don't need this kind of thing. And so, uh, so I would do it as poorly as I could because my strategy was, if I'm really, really bad at it, I will get my parents frustrated enough that they'll be like, fine, go inside, I'm done with you. It, batting average was spotty on that. It, it occasionally worked, but it was high risk, high reward, right? Because it was definitely going to end up in some sort of punishment. But I don't want to be picking up six. I'm done with this. I'm too good for this. I'm not serving joyfully. I'm serving because I have to. I, and every, I'm going to make sure everybody knows I don't really want to be serving. I don't really want to be here. I don't really want to be doing this. Uh, but God calls us to serve joyfully. And you don't do that out of your own power. You don't do that out of just going, I'm just going to grin and bear it and be joyful. It is happening. That's not how it works. Joy comes from the Spirit. And joy comes from gratitude. So if we are not grateful, if we have not named in our own heart, in our own mind, those things that other people have done for us and gone, wow, they didn't have to do that. But that is a real gift to me. If we've not thought about the things that have been given to us that we don't deserve or we haven't earned, if we've not thought about the gifts God has given us, then our heart will not be open to be grateful. And when we are less than grateful, we are less than joyful. So if we are going to serve joyfully, we have to be so rooted in gratitude that we can't help but respond with love because of what God has already done for us, because of what we've seen other people do for us too. We serve joyfully, not some magic trick, not some superpower, 
But because all that we've seen that God's done, we want to give and serve and love because that's what we've experienced. And this week, we come to prayer. Now, when we talk about prayer, I think about reality TV. Follow me on this. Uh, Because when I think about prayer, I can't help but think about how many people I know because they confess to me later that they have this sort of church, um, you know how you, you got sort of church posture, church clothes, church attitude. They put on this sort of church idea about prayer. And they walk around and they're like, I've got it down. I'm great at prayer. Thanks, everybody. Don't, don't ask me anything. Don't talk to me about it, but I'm good. You present this false front saying, I've got this. I understand prayer. I, I know it. When in reality, you are terrified that someone is going to ask you the smallest little thing or ask you to pray at all. In fact, you'd rather not talk about it at all, but I'm just going to pretend like I did the same homework everybody else did. And, and part of why that is, is because we've seen other people have that same attitude. The same way that the reality stars cause other people to go, oh, that's how I have to behave. We have seen other people that present this false front of, I know everything there is to know about prayer, and we stand over there and go, oh, that's not me. Uh, But I'm going to be in trouble if I admit, I, I don't know what I'm doing. I've been in church however long, and I still don't get it. But you present this false front. So what if, we created a community that was safe and loving. And what if we created small groups that cared and were confidential and were uh, Christ-like enough that you had people that you could be honest with? You had people you could put this false front down, and you had people that you could say, you all, I don't know what I'm doing. I've been a Christian for fill in the blank, and by this point, I feel like I should have gotten it, and I don't know what I'm doing. I don't even know how to begin. I don't even know how to ask. I don't even know what to do. What if what God is calling us to is to pray faithfully? And here's what I mean by that. To pray faithfully is to start right where you are. It doesn't do us any good if you get up and talk about uh, some sort of big, you know, 25 cent theology seminary words. Uh, you know, the, uh, you, if that's not who you are, then I don't need to know all of these big words that you were able to look up. What God wants, what we all want, is for you to start right where you are. Because one of my favorite books about prayer is a book called When Prayer Becomes Real. And the authors there argue that so many of us are caught in this sort of fake front that we don't even pay attention to how we need to start back. For some of us, we need to start back just at ground zero and say, God, I need help. I need your help, and I need you. One of the most beautiful, honest, perfect starting prayers is God, help. Help me. Because God meets you there. To pray faithfully is to pray and to start right where you are. And to pray faithfully is to understand 
what prayer really is. Because prayer is not some burden that God has put on you that said, you better do this, and if you don't do this homework, then it, you are going to get it. Prayer is not some sort of talent show or showcase where you go, I've got the big words now, and as you, God, as you continue to perfect my sanctification, may the justification you have already endued upon me, like, if that's not who you are, then don't say it. What God wants for you is relationship and connection. God wants you to have a clearer picture of the reality of the world, and God wants you to participate in bringing God's kingdom to reality as well. And the way, the primary way we do that is through faithful communication and connection with God through prayer. So what we do and what we see and what we understand prayer to be is not some sort of... uh, uh, the, the way I like to think about it is um, prayer is not a vending machine. Whereas if I pray the right prayer, I put in the right amount of money, and I punch the right number, boom, the spiritual Snickers bar comes out, and I get that. And look, I'm good to go. And the next time that I got a powerful hunger, I put in the money, I pray the right words, I punch the right numbers, and boom, the spiritual Snickers bar comes out again. That's not how it works. God is not a vending machine. God is not someone we manipulate so that we get what we want out of what we want. If that was a, you know, if this was a person that you were dealing with and the only time you showed up is when you wanted something and you asked the same exact way every single time and they gave it to you and you completely blew them off until they came back, that person would not feel very close to you. What God is interested in is relationship with you. Because in relationship, in prayer, God not only listens, but God speaks to you as well. And so what prayer is, is is this invitation, this opportunity for you to be transformed, for you to be shaped, for you to faithfully be made into who God has called you to be. When we pray faithfully, we are starting right where we are. We are believing that God can do what God has said God's going to do, and we keep showing back up. We keep showing back up. Do you ever graduate out of Sunday school? No, it's not that kind of school. It is a place where you show up and learn and grow together because we always need each other, and we always need a place where we can be who God honestly where we are with our struggles and our worries and our doubts, where other people can pray over us and where we can offer our prayer, whatever it is, and trust that God hears it. We are doing on Sunday night a book series all about prayer. And even if you haven't been yet, uh, you're invited, 6 p.m. right there. Um, And uh, we have three more, and we'd love to have you join us. And one of the things that has been really powerful for me that the book has been showing us is this idea of how, you, how prayer works. So we already talked about that prayer is not this vending machine kind of idea. And the way the author puts it is prayer is, uh, if you think about it in terms of grammar, which I know everyone loves to talk about uh, when they're not in school, but when you think about it in terms of grammar, there's an active voice, right? So you have this active voice where I am actively doing a thing. Here I am going and I am doing a thing. 
The author says that's like the vending machine, where when you pray, you're trying to make something happen. Boom, boom, boom. I want this to be. I want it to happen. God, you got the order. Let me know when it's done. That's not what prayer is. But for some of us, if we're really honest, that's not why we struggle with prayer. If we're really, really honest, why we struggle with prayer is the opposite. We have prayed. We've prayed earnestly and deeply for something, for somebody, and the thing we wanted to happen didn't happen. And we were torn in half by it. We were broken apart by it. And even though you would never say it here, there is a whisper in your head that says either God doesn't care or God's not powerful enough. And if that's the case, why should I bother? The author says the vending machine is you actively trying to do it, but the passive voice where something happens to you is when you go, what does it matter if I pray or don't pray? God's going to do whatever God wants to do, and God doesn't really care enough to hear my call. But the author says both of these miss what prayer is. That prayer, instead of active voice or passive voice, is middle voice. This idea that the action is already happening and you are simply joining in to what has already begun. God has already begun to do the work. God is already moving in the world, but God has invited us to participate. Not just so that God's will can happen in the world, but so that God's will can happen in you. That prayer changes things, yes, but prayer also changes us. And the invitation is for us to know God's the one moving, but we have a part to play as well. And it starts right where you are, with however you can and whatever you can do to pray. This is not some sort of uh, only certain levels of prayer are okay. You have to pray a certain time of day. You have to do it a certain way. You have to have it be a certain thing. This is not that. That's not what Jesus invites you to. Jesus invites you right in the middle of your world right now, whatever your world looks like, to take one step towards him. To pray, God, help. To say, I don't even know what I'm doing. One of my favorite prayers is uh, Monk Thomas Merton said, um, God, I don't know how to please you, but the fact that I want to please you, I think pleases you. You follow me on that? Like, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't even know the right thing to do, but I think the fact that I want to do the right thing makes you happy, God. What a great, honest place to start. And as we start, we pray. And everybody can do this differently. Some of you need to journal because as you write, you keep your brain on track and you are able to fully pour out who you are. Some of you need to pray out loud. Some of you need to start with just God help and that's all you can do right now. Some of you need to do the Lord's Prayer. And if you're confused about pieces of the Lord's Prayer, please come see me. I would love to help you with that. Some of you need to just be honest about where you are and say, I don't even know if this is going to work, and I don't even know why I'm doing it, but I'm doing it, God, and here we go. But wherever you are, to pray faithfully is to trust and believe that if you take one step further, God will meet you right there. Because that's what I believe. That's why I do this. I know 
how deep God's love is. I have experienced it and seen it. I have seen so many miracles and things that don't make sense and only work because God has made them happen. But make no mistake, I've had plenty of times where it felt like my prayer bounced off the ceiling and smacked me back in the face. There have been plenty of times where God, I've already gotten this. This, this thing, if you just let this happen, it'll be perfect. I've already done your job today. Take the rest of the afternoon off. Come on. And it doesn't happen. And I, there will always be struggle and mystery around why God does exactly what God does. But what we know for sure is that God is good and God is love and God is constantly calling us closer. Uh, before we came here, when we were in Maryland, Sarah, my wife, was a full-time associate pastor at a Methodist church. And um, we were, uh, her, her pastor had a grandson, has a grandson named Landon. Uh, Landon is uh, Andy's age and uh, loves sports, would play every sport there was, was on every travel team there could possibly be, and then, uh, you know, healthy as could be. And his parents said, hey, uh, it's about time for practice. You're ready to go one day. And Landon went, I don't, I don't feel good. I don't think I want to go. And they went, oh, okay. So they kept him home. The next day, he was seeming better. Do you want to go? And he said, I don't, I don't think I want to. And after three days of this, they finally knew something was going on. So they took him to the doctor. One test led to another, led to another, led to another. And this seemingly perfectly healthy 12-year-old had a rare form of stage 4 cancer, not only in his organs, but had spread throughout his bloodstream. It had gotten so bad that when the parents said, what kind of timeline are we looking at? The doctors wouldn't even give an estimate of the timeline. So uh, Pastor Linda put out the call to everybody, including uh, all of us, and said, please, please pray. So we did. Our family every single night. We prayed specifically for Landon. We prayed for a miracle that didn't make sense. We prayed after the first round of chemotherapy and radiation, when Landon did not respond well and his numbers were down and struggling, we prayed. When he was able to go home and slowly sort of build back up, we prayed. When he had another downturn and the parent, his parents were really concerned that he wasn't going to be able to do the even more difficult second round of testing, we prayed. When they decided, because he was having such a difficult time before the second round, that they would go in and do labs again and just see where he was, we prayed. And Sarah's phone rang, and she went, oh, it's Linda. And she answered it. And you know how, like, you're in the room, and somebody else is on the phone, and um, they're a loud talker, and you can, like, hear it, even though it's not for you. I mean, it's up to Sarah's ear, but I can hear Pastor Linda because she is shouting with joy. Because the panels, for whatever reason, came back that there were zero cancer cells in Landon's body. And as I say that, and as we go, God is good, 
We take time and we celebrate the miracles that we see that make no sense. But also hear me say, that's not a shirt. It's not a vending machine. You don't just punch in this and get that. But we do know that whatever the answer was to that, by us praying, we were drawing closer to the reality of God and the reality of the world. We do know that by us praying, we were helping to shape and change what the future looked like. But God's the one in, in charge and in control. And what we choose to do when we pray is give more of ourselves over to God and open our eyes to see more of how God wants to work in miraculous and in everyday ways through the world. And that's what it looks like to pray faithfully. What it looks like to pray faithfully is to trust that God is at work and I get to be a part of it. And whatever part that is, God, I want to do, whether it's simply lifting up Landon, whether it's bringing food, whether it's writing a note or a card, whatever it is, God, show me how I can pray faithfully, how I can be a part of how you are transforming the world, because that is how we show people the good news of Jesus. That is how we show people that this is better than anything else you're going to find. That is how we do the work of the people. Would you pray with me? God, we thank you for the miracles and the blessings in everyday life. We thank you for how you move and work and for what you do. We thank you, God, for things we can't understand, and we pray for those who are hurting and struggling in our lives and in our world. Guide us, God. Help us to pray faithfully, to serve joyfully, and to do all things through your name. For it is in your name we pray. Amen.